When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people, I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! One more. Very welcome along to episode 33 of the Bitter Ed Supporters Trust podcast brought to you by the White Hag Brewing Company. And it is uh, week one of our two week European tour. And um, the players are uh, la- just about landing in Iceland ahead of their uh, away fixture. They're qualifying round one away fixture for the uh, UEFA Conference League. And they're playing Hafnafjur. I'll tell you, my pronunciation, lads, over the last two weeks, I've been working on it. And uh, I'm not going to go with HF, I'm going with Hafnafjöre. So, uh, as I said, yeah, episode 33 of the podcast, and uh, we're coming to you on Zoom. We're recording uh, very early in the week. It's Tuesday, so you'll be listening to this on Wednesday and Thursday, likely. And the reason we're recording ter- early is because of the European game. Uh, no point bringing out a podcast on Thursday morning for um, a game to be taking place only a couple of hours later. So, as usual, uh, we have Jerry O'Connor. Hiya, Jerry. Hey, Connor, how's things? Good. Sean Don, how are you? All good, Connor. And uh, Shane Magoo McGoldrick has told us that his kitchen is going to be a nice, quiet place, unlike last week's podcast. Magoo, how are you? Uh, uh, FOMO, Connor. I'm filled with FOMO this week. All right, okay. Because you're not there, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really Saturday at home, isn't it? It is, yeah, it is. Today, today, today and yesterday now was really, really glad to me now, which is... Oh, it just feels shit, to be honest with you. Yeah, and looking at photographs of the team in Dublin Airport and, um, you know, just that whole, that lo- that lovely period of, in a way, trip, you know, just you're, yeah. you're getting into the airport, a couple of pints here, a couple of pints there, bit of chat. Oh. Bit of, and if somebody made the point, and maybe Jerry, it was you, I don't know who it was who made the point, we would have been in the airport with more than likely with a heap of um, Bulls fans, or we would have been landing over there with, we would have been on a flight more than likely with a couple of hundred Bulls fans as well. Yeah, that would have been a. It was myself, but uh, yeah, that would have been a bit. Five was saying it. Yeah, Five, yeah. Uh, and I would have added to the added to the, the fun and the atmosphere and all that. And yeah, we should be putting up pictures of pints on Instagram and stuff like that. Bulls <laughs> fans reciting poetry to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One half reciting poetry, and the other half trying to beat the shit out of us. But anyway, <laughs> in their in their hemp jumpers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, listen. I mean, it is. It's. It is. It is desperately, uh, it's desperately sad that, that we can't travel. And um, but I suppose I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I heard talk now in the news this evening when I was coming picking up the kids in the car of you know this European uh, COVID travel uh, license for July nineteenth. So fingers crossed if um, we do uh, if we come out the other side of uh, qualifying round one and uh, we have somewhere to go to qualifying for qualifying round two. Maybe who knows. We could be going to the credit union yet, yet lads. One <laughs> um, time here we come. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so on this week's podcast, um, as usual, we're going to give away. Uh, well, we'll we'll uh, tell you how we you can win yourself a case of White Hag uh, beer, and 
Um, as we are back in Europe as well, we thought it'd be good to have some um, have a, a European, a Sligo Rovers European connection connection on the podcast. So um, we speak to uh, Sligo Rovers Hall of Famer Chris Rutherford, who was part of the Sligo Rovers squad, the first Sligo Rovers squad to be involved in European football in 1977, some 44 years ago thereabouts um so we have a really good interview with him and he tells us about he tells his memories um from that game they drew they were drawn in an open draw against uh, red star belgrade who at the time were like their european football royalty uh, they had seven yugoslavian internationals on the team so uh, chris will tell us all about um, tell us about his memories of the home and away game and a little bit about how he ended up in sligo he's a liverpoolian um, and he came over, obviously, like many lads uh, to Sligo to play a year or two of uh, full-time football. He actually got a great deal. Off, he was offered a great deal by Sligo Rovers. And he came over to play a season or two of football. And he's still here. So um, we'll hear from Chris uh, uh, a little bit later on. And we'll finish up the show by uh, looking ahead to the game against Hafnerfjord on Thursday. It's a 7 o'clock kickoff. There's details on the Sligo Rovers website about how to access the stream. It looks like we're going to pay about 16 euros. That's about three quarters of a million uh, kroner, Icelandic kroner. And um, we'll get a stream. And it looks like the stream's going to be in, in Icelandic. Jerry, is that right? We won't have Derek Cox, no? No, no, it'll be uh, Iceland all the way. Else, we'll not fly Joey over, no? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, so the yeah, details. It's funny, the last time I watched uh, their their game uh, against Valor, and uh, I had, obviously I hadn't a clue what they were saying. But every now and again, you could hear Sligo Rovers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can't be doing that against Sligo Rovers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's funny. I was just thinking about that before we started recording. There's probably a heap of lads over in uh, Hafnerfjordu now talking about the Sligo Rovers. Yeah. So, okay. So first things first, on Sunday, um, we recorded uh, another win and we kept the momentum going uh, in our league campaign away to uh, Longford Town. And it was a, I suppose, generally speaking, it was a good performance. I think most people were pretty happy with it. Uh, And there was a a smattering of uh, bitter red support in Longford somehow or other day. They beat the system and they got in. It was great to hear them. We'll talk about them a little bit. But for the most part... um, Sean, it was it was a good performance, wasn't it? It was it it, it didn't uh, it didn't blow uh, anybody away, I suppose, and we didn't blow Longford away, but we did what had to be done, I suppose. Yeah, I think it's what we all called for last week on the part of very professional performance. Um, thought we were really good in the ball, never really gave them too many chances. I think just when we switched off at the very start of the game, I think when Bulger had to go off for getting an elbow in the mouth, he was bleeding. They got a throw in from that. I think we just switched off for a second in there. But apart from that, they really didn't threaten us that much. So then there was no, I don't think any clear shots on goal or that. But yeah, look, we really and truly, we could have ran out three or four nil win easily. Yeah. You know, yeah. just unfortunate with a couple of finishes. But all in all, I thought we were excellent. So, um, Magoo, like despite the scoreline, I think we were we were the dominant team, it's fair to say. And it was a very different game from the last time we were down in Longford. It was where we were, it was kind of, like we were very conscious of the size of the pitch and we couldn't get playing, but this time um, we, we were allowed to play. We, we, we were able to impose ourselves or impose our style on the game. Yeah. Um, last time down there was more of a battle, all right. Um, 
in fairness to Longford, this time they tried to play a bit of ball too. Um, at the weekend, to, to, in fairness, they do try. Um, but I agree with Sean, professional. Um, I thought we were very good, especially first half. Some of the football, some of the one-two touch mm. build-up play in the first half was excellent. It was great to watch. Um, we just didn't kill off the game. But you know, like sometimes a game like that can be better, really. Um, you know, go down to Longford, everybody expects you to have team um to go and have them you know sometimes when it's when you have to grind out a result like that and in the last couple of minutes everybody has to put in their shift and stuff it's 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 better for team team building and, and going forward when you when you know everybody's willing to do the work race and you know it's probably it probably serves us better in the long run I think then apart from the goal different side of it but yeah. then just going off playing hitting four or five and you know we we we'd learn nothing from coming off the pitch like that uh, after that. Yeah. Um, you know, we kind of spoke about it, Jerry, over the last number of podcasts as well, but um, we are now seeing, you know, from the start, when you think about the start of the season and how we set up, and um, we could probably, we could probably pick the starting 11 for the first, you know, after game three, we we knew what Buckley was doing. He was going with the same starting 11. Um, but through injuries and other, um, other factors, uh, the starting 11 and particularly the back four has been mixed and matched. And on Sunday, we started with Banks, Blaney, Buckley and Horgan. Um, and we had, we had a nice clean sheet. So I suppose we're gaining confidence as well in, and we're gaining a better understanding of the, the depth of squad that we have. Yeah, um, look, um, there's lads coming in and they're just slotting in and it's kind of, it's almost seamless. Um, I suppose from the start of the season, like the, the back five that we finished with was completely was what three of the back five were uh, had come in uh, into the side. So, and in fairness, look, we never really looked under threat. Nicholas, Nicholas looked brilliant in goals. Um, you know, uh, first thing he had to do was to, his distribution on the ground was excellent. Not ping the ball out to the left. Um, any cross that came into the box, he, you know, he it was his ball. And there was one occasion in the second half where he cleaned out about two or three players. Um, so. That was great for his confidence as well, and I'm sure it gave confidence to the, the four lads in front of him. But yeah, um, a very professional, seamless uh, performance, really. So um, it's everything that you really would have wanted down in Longford. Uh, yeah, you would have wanted one or two more goals, but look, we got the three points and we're happy enough and we're off to Iceland. Yeah, yeah. It's about, um, it was really just about maintaining the 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 momentum that we've been developing I suppose over the last the last number of weeks and I think that's the, the most important thing to take away um, another three yellow cards I noticed for another one for Bulger uh, Gary Buckley's only back and uh, Shane Blaney were booked as well so um, I think um, I don't know if that's a concern for any of you that we, we do tend to we don't really come out of a game with less than three yellows I, I'm like it's not like we're a particularly physical team I don't think I don't think many teams come out of games with really less than two or three yellow cards on both yeah. sides. It's rare, um, and look, uh, and like I can't remember the only thing, only incident I can remember in the game is when Bulger got a slap in the, the mouth in the first few minutes. I can't yeah. remember one bad tackle in the game apart from that from both sides. So it was a very clean game, um, but it's just standard now that there's a minimum of five yellow cards in every game. Was uh, there a booking given for the penalty? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I thought that was odd, all right. So, 
Um, no, Jerry, I think that's a fair point. I think, um, you know, and you see it in social media a lot now that there really is, a, a, we, there's always been an issue, I suppose, around officiating uh, and officials in the league. But you can see it now. Some of the, you know, after almost every game, there's, there's, there's um, people who are who are you know commenting on the quality of the referee. I suppose overall, though, um, I don't know. I can't remember who the ref was now in um, in Longford, but um, well, that's a good sign. That, that kind of, that, but that's kind of funny too. In that, I can't remember the referee, right? and I'm usually kind of a bit anal about stuff like that. I can't remember who the referee was off the top of my head, and I can't remember about foul. But we still come out of the game with five yellow cards. Yeah, that's that's standard now. Yeah. Um, so Parks got booked for time wasting. Uh, I think to, I seem to remember, and Gary Buckley got booked. Time wasting. Additional time, yeah. So I, I, yeah, and Shane Bainey was booked before half time, or no, just after half time, I think. And I, but I'm not sure um, what for. Um, he went through a fellow. Bainey did. He? Oh, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, what about so we, we touch on on Romeo Parks? It was interesting um, that people had very different opinions on or you know differing opinions on his performance. I, I thought he played quite well. Um, I thought he looked to get involved in the game um, a lot. He was uh, I thought his time in the ball. He used the ball very well. He didn't hold on to the ball too much. He picked he, he took the ball in and kept it moving. And I think um, you know the work that he did to win the penalty was. I mean, you can't ask for more than that. Like, it was an incredible piece of skill to take the ball out of the sky, and um, he was taken out of it and won the penalty. Sean, you're nodding your head. Yeah, I know, because I agree with everything you're saying there. I thought he was excellent myself. I thought we played to his strengths for a change. We weren't expecting him to run in behind and chase down things into the channel and that we just played the ball into his feet and played off him after that. The Fries and Byrne were getting close enough to him. Gibson was getting close to him. And we were on the one-twos, creating space, drawing their back four into us and leaving space in behind that the wingers could run into. So I, th- I thought he was excellent at what he'd done. His touch was brilliant all game. Yeah. And he was just really, really unfortunate with that finish. That's actually, well, his touch wasn't brilliant all game because that's the one time it actually got away from him where he takes a bit of a heavy touch and it forces him to smack the ball because Stacey's out on top of him at that stage. Yeah. Um, Miguel, were you happy with his performance? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought he played very well. In fairness, like Sean said, his touch was, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's a role we know is there. Like Romeo's never going to be uh, running around chasing down defenders and chasing lost causes. So if that's not Romeo, you're not you're not going to get that with Romeo. That's but if Romeo brings every week what Romeo has, then we'd be happy. Which is touch, strength, uh, clever uh, to pick up the ball and link the play, and then his just general ability. Then when he gets on the last man for balls in behind, he's usually very clinical. Charles, I'm surprised he missed that one. To be honest, I thought it was a start. When he was running in, yeah. But like, like if Romeo brings that, if you. But the, the big thing was his touch. To me, his first touch was in with him every time. Whereas we've seen before, yeah, a lot of times he's lost this and it's run away from him, or he's, you know, he's given the defender a bit, a bit to nibble at, and they've taken it off him, and he, he mightn't chase it down. But it was yeah. different. It was different on Saturday. I suppose, I suppose, Jerry, the one-on-one he puts over the bar. Uh, if that, if that's not converted and Longford get one back, uh, peop, you know, he's he's the target. Then Romeo's the target for for missing that chance. But I think the difference is, uh, and you said it there. I think the difference was with Romeo that game was his. He was consistent with his touch. Okay, he didn't get probably any more or any less of the ball really than he would in a normal game. It's just the other games the ball was bouncing off him. Whereas in this game, he wasn't bouncing off, he was taking it off, turning it off, he was pulling men off, 
you, you know what I mean? So his when he got the ball, he made a count. Whereas other times he probably didn't. We go back to the Bulls game where we played them away in the first series of games. That 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 night as well, nobody could touch him. Nobody could get near him. Um, and if we can get Romeo again being consistent, like it's all about his touch. You know, you, as Magoo says, you're not going to get him to run the challenge. You're not going to get him to run the fullbacks. You're not going to get him really put a lot of pressure on the centre backs, things like that. But if he can get his touch right. Our whole game, our whole game is different. He's able to bring players in. He's able to bring players to him. Uh, you seen there the the, the goal uh, both with like two or three men around him, and they were yeah. just bouncing off him. And that means then that other players like the Gibson, the wingers, and all that have a free space. So for me, it's all about his touch. Yeah, okay, he he didn't score the one that came across the cross or hit the crossbar. You could say, look, it puts a bit of pressure on us in terms of you're always going to be a bit nervous that Longford will go and score. But I think if Longford there till now, they still wouldn't have scored. But I think he was unlucky with that. It's all about his touch for me. That's it. And we're yeah. different from them. Um, there's, no, there's no argument now about who's taking penalties anyway at, at the club, it seems. Well, I know Johnny Kenny wasn't on the pitch, but um, there was nowhere near Jordan Gibson anyway. He was, he was, um, there was no conversation being had. He was just taking that penalty. And You'd have you, you know, he's, when you see him standing over the ball now, you're confident, aren't you? You're not, you're not, um, and he has the confidence as well. I think you're not kind of too worried about where this is going to go. He is keeper sold on him, so he has, he's very calm and collected from the spot. He's just, he's sending keepers the wrong way all the time, yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I, none of you were at the game, were you? No, no. Um, I bought a ticket, but I couldn't. I couldn't travel in the end between one thing and the other. But um, sorry, Magoo, what were you going to say? Nothing. I was just going to say I, I seen a picture from behind the goal of take the penalty. He does the old uh, Mendieta trick of he he doesn't he doesn't look at the ball. He looks at the keeper and waits for the and once the keeper slightly goes one way or the other, he just puts it the opposite side. Never looks at the ball like it's it's cocky and arrogant and brilliant and all yeah. over to one. It's just great. And a little bit nerve-wracking too when you see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I prefer it to the hop, skip and jump, to be honest with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Steph, it's way better. There's yeah. more flow to it. The yeah. hop, skip and jump, it just looks bad as well. It just, yeah, yeah it does. Somebody will somebody fall over doing that someday. Um, any other um, honourable mentions for um, other players around the pitch? I was very impressed again with, um, I'm really warm to Niall Moran over the last number of games. I think he's, he's playing in a slightly more advanced position. And um, go on, Magoo, yeah? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I forgot to mention him already. already. I thought uh, he, I would have put him in his man in the match. My really? man in the match. Yeah. Anyway. yeah, yeah, I thought he's very good. He's like, um, I don't know, he's like polyfiller or, or Baker's <laughs> mate or something. He's just filling holes everywhere all over the pitch. Yeah. Any, yeah. Anywhere the ball seemed to drop, he seemed to be like. He was just yeah. excellent. Morhen, yeah, I think his... Um, his balls are more. I said this last week. His balls are more penetrating now, um, and again, that could be down to um, that could be down to what the manager is telling them to do. You know, he could be given a bit more license, um, which is great, and it, it makes things easier for. It creates more fluency around that number ten position as well. I suppose you know, there's you know, if you've Gibson there, he's in a more advanced position if he knows he's he's more likely to get the ball. Um, Gary so, Buckley yeah. as well. Yeah, go on. What were your thoughts on Buckley? Just the way he just slotted back in as if he hadn't missed a minute. Yeah. He was just, he was faultless. 
brilliant. So he was, and everything he was excellent. So what what time, what period of the game was um, was McGinty taken out at? Um, he, he he was that towards was that just about before, just before half time? Or was it? No, it was just after half time or before before yeah. Before half time, yeah. Before half time, yeah. That's right. He, he, he stayed yeah. on. He stayed on for a few minutes. He got the knock off just just before half time. And it was a bang to the leg in the end after that little challenge at the edge of the box, wasn't it? Is that what the issue was? Yeah. Yeah, it was Buckley, wasn't it? it was Buckley went into each other. Yeah. yeah. And um, no, it, it's actually it's not even that they run into each other. It's the forward pushes him. There's a clear push. Yeah. There's a clear push. So he creates the collision. So. Um, eventually, Luke McNicholas has, I know it's not his first senior appearance for the team, but it's probably his most significant um, senior appearance or appearance for the senior team. And again, like, you know, he has no League Cup um, to, I believe there's no League Cup this year, isn't it? No. He, he's no League Cup. So th- those were the games, I suppose, where he would have had opportunity in the season past and the current season that he's, he's not going to get. So, you know, he comes in with high hopes and we all have big expectations for him. Uh, you probably don't want to see him come off the bench uh, for the second half of uh, a pretty important league game, um, regardless of the fact that it might be Longford. But he was just unbelievable, and he did. I mean, he was faultless. I think wasn't he? He was. He, you know, why, why can't we have two nerveless? Yeah, he was. He was like, like just the idea of having two excellent keepers is like a bit of a kick in the arse, and it's fucking pure Sligo Rovers, isn't it? Like, why can't we have <laughs> two incredible wingers? Like, you know, uh, a left footed and a right footed. We winger. do. Well, we, we do, do. Yeah, but, we but do. you know what I mean, like you know, um, like his, you know, we we're I suppose asking questions about what was the point of him going to Finn Hart for the first half of the season, and I'm not getting a look in there. Um, but he was he was brilliant. Like he did. I don't know who who wants to come in here and talk about him. Um, Jerry, do you want to like? He, he, there was nothing he did wrong. He he came for balls. He yeah, did everything. His distribution was really really excellent. As it well. was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. We could yeah. we could play we could play number six. Yeah. You can play number six and just spray balls all over the pitch. Very, very comfortable. Great touch. Great. Just, there's a lovely technique in terms of striking the ball as well. He's like, he's like an outfit. He's like an Um And look, it's Hamlin as well. Um, and I know I said it already, but there was one ball um, in near the, early enough in the second half and he just came through two or three players. That's right, yeah. And he held on to the ball. Yeah. The two full backs really was. It was two of our own players, I think, that were. Yeah, it was two of our own players. Yeah. That, that itself shows a lot of confidence, doesn't it? You know, so. Yeah. And, his, and his diving header. And yeah. the diving header. That's what I was going to say. The diving header. That showed great, like the anticipation of it. And, and not. And he didn't think twice for a split second. No. He knew it was the right call. And he just. He went straight away on his instincts. And yeah. like that's, that's great. It's great confidence and, and in his own ability, but also like you have to give it to the coaching as well. It's great coaching him to, to send him out that he has the mindset. Yeah. I mean, he knows what to do. He knows he's a good keeper and he 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 believes in himself and he was just nervous. He he every decision he made was correct and he but hundred percent correct and it was brilliant. Just yeah. touching on the coaching as well, you can actually see it if you know if you look at both Aid and Luke. They're both very similar in the way they're playing the game. Yeah. Both with ball on the ground, the way the commander areas, the confidence, everything. It's very, very similar. So obviously, whatever way they're working with them in the showgrounds, it's it's brilliant. Yeah. Coaching is superb. And maybe maybe the time goes for Hearts mightn't have been a bad thing either. And just kind of at that young age, it just gives you a different uh, a different club experience and being around different players and, and things like that. So. 
from a character building point of view, was probably was good. Takes him out of his comfort zone. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't knock the football out of him either. Yeah, which was good. (laughs) (laughs) Which is is always likely to happen. Yeah, (laughs) that's why it was only a six month loan. I'd say that's that's because he didn't play. You see, that's how he's able to keep football. Yeah, yeah. Um, We spoke about Gibson scoring a goal, but he probably could have had. He might have had two or three goals as well um, with his creativity, just finding little bits of space. He's getting shots off that were, you know, he might have had a couple of shots that were hit striking defenders and going wide but I thought his, his all-around play was again was really good he was really lively and he he really kept things moving up top his pass um, for Romeo as well for the penalty yeah and I think he put um, I think he put Romeo through for the one-on-one where Romeo Romeo had that lovely little kind of, I don't know if he dinked the ball through the defender's legs uh, or he kind of shimmied by him but um, Romeo's bit of play to get past the last defender to go one on one at the keeper, and you know Romeo's shot did come off the crossbar. It was on the underside of the car- crossbar. You know you're talking inches there between yeah. a goal mm-hmm. and you know if he skies it over the bar, you I go, you know oh yeah, but really you're talking about inches, like you know. There's another one. Was it Romeo or Gibson? I can't remember exactly. That played that lovely wee ball in for the freeze as well, where his header just goes wide of the post. Yeah, yeah. But the freeze was excellent too. Yeah, he's brilliant. I think he's he's getting better every game too. I think like we, we're naming a lot of players here who were excellent. Like I think, I think Longford probably deserved a bit of credit too. To just the fact that it was still it was only one. There were still we still weren't one hundred. We weren't one hundred percent sure after ninety five minutes. Of yeah. So we, we we called that out though last week as well, and that um, you know no matter what what way the game was going to go, they were going to fight to the end. And appearance to date, so yeah. 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 I tell you, I, I would. Um, I think I'd sign that for Dylan Grimes. I think he's a great player. I don't know if he, if, if he stood out for Danny V, but in the last two games that I've watched, the last two Longford games, he stood out for, to me. And I think he's a cracking, cracking wee player. But, um, I think the left back stood out in the two games to me. Yeah. Uh, Kirk, is it? Yeah. Uh, Patrick Kirk, yeah. Yeah, 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 he looks a good player. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you're on, Elworthy got a bit of a match. Oh, go on, Jerry. Joey likes him as well. I remember last Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and the commentary team was pretty good as well, weren't they, lads? Yeah, yeah they were and the lads, yeah, they were excellent. Very good. Very um, and and they, weren't, they weren't too partisan. Yeah. No, and, fairness to them. They've done their research on us as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think, uh, I think, and they, they didn't care, noted that in his, uh, in his uh, Twitter feed as well after the game. He said he got a lot of positive feedback from Slug Rovers fans, but I think he did a great job. And, um, like I don't mind the partisan commentary. I think, like at least, you, you, you then you find out about the opposition. Like you, we know all about our own players, but we might know everything about the opposition. So if you've got a, you know, a Bulls head or a Shams head um, talking exclusively about their own team and not really mentioning the the visiting team, I don't mind that too much because at least um, you get a bit but of an insight. You expect you expect them to be a bit biased, but they weren't over the top by any means of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you knew you knew who they were supporting, but they were also giving us our fair dues as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, any other points on on the the victory in Longford before we move on? Um, I suppose it was one of those kind of one nil wins where look, we played well, but we also had to grind out the the result. And one nil uh, away from home, it's kind of the stuff of champions, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um. Is you know it was it was it was funny we didn't you know I said at the start we didn't boss the game, um, but we were 
you know, you weren't too nervous either at the end. You know, you thought that, but then you don't know. But you're right, yeah. We 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 grounded out. What all bit. the important battles? Very good yeah. shot. Very good, yeah. I think we could have. A, I think we might have another gear or two maybe to go through. Like there was there was there were spells in the game. There could have been five ten minute spells in the game where we were really good overrunning them and stuff, and then we'd kind of step off it a bit again and step maybe back into our shell. It was like we were just conserving ourselves a wee bit and. Oh, well, we've got a big game coming up, so, you know, why would we not be conserving our energy levels, you know? Um, okay, listen, um, so we'll leave it there. Uh, we have no league game now until uh, after the home leg of uh, the uh, return leg of, the, of round one of the Europa League, uh, Confer- Europa Conference League. Who are, we playing? who are we playing that, Connor? So we are playing Waterford when we come back, I think, isn't it? No, who are we playing in Europe? Oh, Hefnafjord. <laughs> In Sligo, that's uh, Thursday week. And then uh, this Thursday coming, uh, Magoo, it's a Hefnafur away. So we'll uh, get your shouts in the shed end. We got a few in um, We got a few in uh, this week as well. And now, I don't know if I should um, if I should say this. I, I, we, we have, um, Sean has come up with a better option for you to get your shouts in the shed end in. Instead of emailing them in, um, we have got a WhatsApp phone number. Now, you know, if we were really professional, we would have tested this before I go mention your phone numbers. Fuck it, here we go. So <laughs> for next week, get your shouts to the shed end in on the following phone number via WhatsApp. It's 0830974133. It's the shout from the shed end line. It's 0830974133. And fingers crossed that uh, will work. And I'll give the SIM cards to uh, to Dunner and he it'll work in the spare phone that he has and everything will be cushy. But it probably won't work. It'll be tits up and people will be saying, I'm trying to send that message in there and it wouldn't go in. So just record a really short voice message after the um, the game, uh, the away game uh, against Half the Fuhrer and um, we'll get your shouts in the shed end in on our next podcast. This is Sean from America. We played better than we did the last time we went to Longford. Uh, all in all, it was a decent game. Uh, should have had a couple more goals, but we'll take the win. Uh, everyone played pretty well. Romeo is his best game by far. Uh, that touch was incredible. Uh, for me, man of the match, got to be Colin Horgan. He was, I mean, just like he's been all season, just steady. And uh, looking forward to Europe on Thursday. Up the Rovers. Well, lads, Donald Kelly here with me show from the shed end. Uh, I was lucky enough to get the game at Longford. Thought it was a really professional performance. Played some great football. At very solid at the back. Blaney was excellent. And Luke McNicholas, when he came on for Ed, was absolutely fantastic. He came for a ball early in the second half and took it and took everything in front of him and really kind of uh, gave everybody peace of mind. Romeo was fantastic. Ryan DeVees was fantastic. Jordan Gibson, fantastic. Great performance. Greg Budger as well, so settled in midfield. We're going great. Hope the boys keep it up. Happy days. Great to be on top of the table. So that's your shouts in the shed end. And as I mentioned, that phone number again for next week is 0830974133 for your shouts in the shed end. Record a, sh- a short voice note and send it to that number on WhatsApp. And we'll get the number out on um, on the social media feeds as well. Okay, so as I mentioned at the top of the show, as we are back in Europe this week, uh, celebrating about 44 years of uh, Sligo Rovers in Europe, we thought it would be good to speak to uh, somebody who was there from the very start. So 
um, one of the uh, one of the the members of the Sligo Rovers team that played uh, against Red Star Belgrade in our first foray into Europe um, was Chris Rutherford, and uh, that's why we're speaking to him on today's podcast. We are joined by Sligo Rovers uh, Hall of Famer. I just noticed um, one of the players over the years who are who have been inducted into the Sligo Rovers Hall of Fame. And uh, we thought it would be a good idea to speak to somebody who was a member of the first Sligo Rovers team to be involved in uh, European football. And that's why we've got Chris on the line. So first of all, Chris, thanks a million for joining us. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to talk to you, Connor. Obviously, we will talk. We'll get to the the game against uh, Red Star Belgrade. But you were very young when you first arrived into Sligo. I think you were about 20 years of age and you were playing your uh, football with Cardiff before that. So how did the move to Sligo come about and what did you know about Sligo before you arrived here? Like I was given a free transfer when I was at Cardiff at the age of 20. And at that time I was playing with a fella called um, John McClelland and he's, he was from Northern Ireland. He had a few international... He played a bit for Glasgow Rangers and he a few international caps for Northern Ireland. I think it was about 60 caps. So we had a contact in Belfast and he was looking for players to come to Sligo. That's how I first got. That's the first time I heard of Sligo was through to John McLaren. Yeah, and you were followed in Belfast, and, you know. And then we we were invited over then to have a look at the proceedings and what the place was, you know, what it was like and everything like that. And um, it was a full time contract, you know. I had offers in England of going part time, but I still wanted to um, go full time. That's how it came about. Billy Sinclair got in touch with us, and we come over and. We um, liked the place, so we, we decided to give us. I'm just saying, we guys to come over with a fella called Fred, Graham Fox. Yeah. So we both come over. So that helped us coming over. He was going over. I wasn't. Go, I was going over as well. Like so, there was two of us, and we could look after each other or help each other if yeah. one thing and another. You know? So what was the plan? Was the plan to come over for a season or two and just see how you get on, and then try yeah. and get back to England? That was the that was the plan. Yeah, try and play well in Ireland and then get moved over to England. But once. Like after a couple of years, I was married anyway, and I was happy in Sligo, so I knew I was going to be a, a part-time footballer. So you, am I right in saying you got married the year that Rovers won the league in '77? Is that right? That's right. Yeah, November that year. Um, it was a big year, all right, wasn't it? It was a big year for you. Yeah, a big year for the club. <laughs> was, a big yeah. year for yourself. And yeah. Um, but I suppose you. Were, I mean, you were. You know, your time at the club was was very successful obviously as we'd said you, you'd won the league um you had um you had cup um you'd won the cup as well um so like you you had when you arrived into Sligo did you have the feeling that you were going to be involved uh, or did you did you know that you were going to be involved in in, qu- in quite as strong and as competitive as a team as it turned out well you just just know that you, you, when you come over to a new team or whatever you just do what you can do yourself and I was lucky enough to be playing with alongside good players, like about some very good players that time with Tony Stenson and Tony Fagan, you know. So and there was, you know, they were experienced players in the squad. Then we had a lot of young players who no more than me had got three transfers when they were on the twenty mark, and then decided to come over because it was a full-time professional club yeah. run by a great manager um, who was very professional, was Billy Sinclair, and you know, so it was. It was really, really very entertaining for us as well. Like you know, we enjoyed it. We had, you know, it was, good, it was good times. We were lucky enough to win the league and play in cup finals and 
unfortunately, win the cup at one time as well. Yeah. In 83. So am I right in saying as well, just um, as I kind of build up to getting our conversation or bringing our conversation around to um, the, the European football. So in the 1976-77 season, um, the league title uh, was between, it was coming down to, uh, it was either Rovers or Shamrock Rovers who were going to win it. And you played each other in the last game of the season. And uh, am I right in saying it was your goal that, uh, did, did your goal win the game for Rovers in the end? Well, we, 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 were, um, we started off at 1-0. We yeah. got a goal early doors. And then, they, you know, like we needed to win, to win the match, to win the league. So there was a lot of pressure on there, you know. And, like, I got the second goal make, to make it 2-1. And then Paul McGee made sure we did win it with a well, goal late on. It finished up 3-1. Um, yeah. And that victory and that league title brought us to... Um, Sligo Rovers' first opportunity to play European football. So, uh, uh, different to um, different to today, it was an open draw, and you could have been pulled out against a European giant, or you could have been pulled out against the minnow. And it turns out uh, in Red Star Belgrade, who you did end up playing, and um, they were probably one of the stronger teams in Europe at the time. Um, that's correct. I know my own feelings for it was I was praying and praying and praying that we'd get Liverpool because that would be great to play and actually play in Anfield. <laughs> but that didn't materialise. So it was happy enough for like Red Star, Belgrade, were one of the best teams in Europe at that particular time. Um, they'd done really well in, in Europe themselves. They were a top, top team from um, Yugoslavia. They were, um, reached the semi-finals of the Cup Winners' Cup in 1976 and the final of the UEFA Cup in 1979. So it shows how good they were. Yeah. And how recognised they were. Yeah. And um, so there must have been an incredible buzz around the town, um, the region and the team ahead of Rovers going into into European competition. Can can you remember that? Or um, was that something that stuck out I to you? I remember the... the the shops and all that being done up with kit and stuff like that. Red, and everything was red and white. I remember when I first come to um, Sligo, everything was black and white. <laughs> this is just after after thing there, and everything was black and white. And yeah. I was thinking, Jesus, we must play in black and white. And it was only black and white because the county team had done so well, and they were playing in the kind of final. Yeah. So I realised when you know we were playing for the bit of red. <laughs> so, yeah. oh, that was a bit of red. I thought it was a bit of black and white. No, but that, that was just me settling in period the first couple of weeks, six weeks. It was all black and uh, white flags. Yeah. With um, uh, Sligo Gaelic team doing so well in the, the yeah. Connacht Championship. And there's the famous photographs of um, uh, yourself and uh, it might have been Paul Fielding outside of Adams who had sponsored your, your gear that you wore. Um, you know that famous photograph of the outside Adam shop on Grattan Street with the the red tops and it was a kind of white jeans that uh, you were given. Yeah, that was when we had, we had at the end of the season we had a tour of um, America. All right, okay. We, um, that's why that's why we were wearing such um, attractive gear. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I kept it for a while, but I didn't actually wear it after that. It was all right, like right. wearing it in America where nobody knew you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, often get a bit of stick about it, all right. Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. the white trousers, the white trousers. Um, yeah. You know, wasn't a nice thing to be wearing at them times. <laughs> Real brave fashion statements. Yeah, t- t- today oh, yeah. and back then, I suppose. You know. So. Ah, um, very, yeah. 
just going back to um, just going back to the European football. Uh, the first, so that you're drawn uh, away from the Shogun's, uh, uh, you're drawn to play in Yugoslavia for the first game. Um, so, can you? Um, was it a straightforward journey out there? Can you remember? Um, you know, was it fairly easy um, connecting, getting connected to arrive out to Yugoslavia, or was it? Did you have to go trains, planes, and automobiles? I know we seemed to be um, well organised, like it was just more or less a straight, straight, um, straight flight to there. Like there wasn't any um, problems getting there or anything like that. No, it yeah. was comfortable enough, and it was well organised. There was no problems really. And uh, obviously, it was going to be a huge task to try and um, overturn Red Star Belgrade. So, what was what was the direction that you were given from Billy Sinclair um, ahead of the game? Um, like. Like all the players have played for Sligo to win, but he he did say before we we were playing, um, we started playing that um, there was a good bonus, and the bonus was like um, if we lose um, three nil, we still get the bonus, but anything more than three nil, there'd be no bonus. You know, so that was a little way of like the, nobody asked for us, but it's just that he put it on, and I think that gave us the extra edge that would keep going right for the ninety minutes, which we did anyway. And you had to do a particular, you were given a particular job to do for the away leg anyway. You were playing in a, an unfamiliar role, is that right? Uh, that's right, yeah. Billy wanted to explain me what he wanted me to do and it was just play in front of the back four like himself and Tony Stenson would be playing in the central defence. That means that I'd be in front of the defence and Billy's um, best position was like a sweeper. So we, we played that way and it worked for a long time. But it was just that... Um, you know, it was a difficult thing for me to do, keep, you know, running in midfield. I wasn't really used to that and chasing fellas and whatever, but I, I enjoyed it and stuck at it. And, you know, but it was a um, very difficult game. They had about seven full internationals and they were controlling the ball for, you know, and I say it was 80% of the game that they were they were on top, you know. Yeah. And previously you had said to me the size of the pitch didn't help you either. No, the pitch was massive. I had to run the track round it, and it was a massive stadium. You should imagine it with all 60,000. There was yeah. only about twenty-eight thousand, only twenty-eight thousand there at that match, and but they made enough noise. Yeah, and um, uh, can you remember some of the players, some of the the opposition players? They were, were like, was it? Did you did you know who you were up against uh, in today's well, world? Well, we knew. Obviously. Like, uh, I remember um, Billy was reading out the team, and they had a player. Called um, Dragovic, Dragon Dashovic, and it's hard to pronounce that. Yeah. But um, he was one of the known as one of the best wingers in um, in Europe at that time, and everybody was talking about him. I remember Billy, you know, when he was doing the team talk, he just said something to Paul, um, Alan Patterson, goals, telling him what he wanted to do, and then when he came to Paul Field, and it was was our right back. He just said, you've got to get hold of Dragic. And everybody in the dressing room started laughing. <laughs> Even though Paul was a good player, it was like someone saying, Paul, you've got Pele. You know, do, do the best you can. But, yeah, yeah. you know, I remember it, was, it relaxed the dressing room a wee bit when he said it. Yeah. We all started having a laugh and then settled ourselves down. But Paul, yeah. Paul actually done a good job on night, Even though he scored two of the goals. <laughs> yeah, he did. He went on to score two goals. And, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Filipovich, I think, scored the the third goal. So, I mean, you, previously you'd said to me as well that you the team had, you'd done quite well up to about an hour into the game. You had held your own, um, but 
Um, what do you think was the difference in the end? Obviously, you're dealing with seven internationals, seven Yugoslavia internationals. Um, but what was the difference in fitness? Was it in technical ability? Where where was the the difference to be found? Um, doing much better than this. Like you know, they got seven full um, international players, like Yugoslavian internationals. Like it was always going to be difficult on a big pitch. Goalkeeper Alan Parson was very sick before before the game. Mm-hmm. And you know that so that didn't make us comfortable anyway because it was he was really sick before the game. But he went out and played and done his best. But it was very difficult for us all. It was only the last fifteen minutes that we really t- tired. Yeah, and it was n- nearly uh, it was nil nil up to then, and we were promised a bonus. Like I was telling you, if you get certain amount of bonus if you if they scored less than um, the three goals. Yeah. Uh, so. Um... Despite, I suppose, despite the 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 loss in the away leg, um, the following, I think it was two weeks later, uh, the return leg in the showgrounds and was played on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, so the despite the loss, I suppose the the locals in Sligo weren't put off by by um, the defeat. They they came out in their numbers to support you. Ah, yeah. Well, they come out there. Always very loyal to us, the supporters, and they they come out to to, um, to obviously to see how good Red Star Belgrade were as well. And I think they knew that we were playing against a team on a totally different level to what we were. And um, we lost that match 3-0, I think it was. And yeah. But, you know, the, the crowd were fair to us and they, they respected Red Star Belgrade. And I think they enjoyed the, the game in, in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they had a... Um, I don't know if you, if you knew this or remember this. They, I think they had trouble getting into Dublin. They were due to fly into Dublin and they got... Um, they had to because of fog. I think at Dublin Airport, they had to divert to uh, Belfast. Belfast, was it? And they, is yeah. it right? Am I right in saying they couldn't get off the plane because they had no visas to enter the UK? So they they had to sit in the plane for four or five hours, um, which you'd imagine might have um, benefited Sligo Rovers um, to some extent, but I suppose uh, hard to tell in the end. Um, yeah, but like, I think they could be on that plane for ten hours, and it wouldn't have made much. <laughs> you know, <they> were that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've yeah. been from Belfast a few times myself and got got caught all right on the flame, but not for that length of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, it's it was it was certainly a, a magical time um, in in Rovers. It was certainly, a, yeah, it was a it was a successful period uh, in Rovers history. Um, and I suppose you were forced to play a style of football um, against Red Star um, in insofar as you were trying to contain them. Which was very different to what you were doing uh, week to week, I suppose, in the league. Is that right? Uh, it was like it was completely different to what we're used to. Like I think even Fago was like he was put out onto the the wing there, you know, the wing, and he's usually like his best position would be centre midfield. Yeah. But he, he played on the wing, he, and he played well that night, and he, he had a chance to go down the line a few times to get a few good crosses in. But um, yeah. yeah, it was we always knew it was going to be a difficult game. Um. So obviously you're 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 Liverpool born uh, through and through. Uh, you had is am I right in saying that you grew up? Are you, yeah, you grew up close to Goodison, but you're a Liverpool fan. Ah, uh, yeah, I lived two 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 roads away from the Gladys Street end. You can right, kick okay. a football where I used to live, but at, at that time, like I was only I'd only been about five or six. Yeah, you know, like I, me, I, the whole family more or less lived in that area. Like me, me, me granny, me grandfather. Uncles and aunties all lived more or less on them two roads, kind of thing. 
And how come you ended up? How come you? How come you ended up a Reds if you lived so close to Goodison? How come which? How come you ended up a Liverpool supporter if you lived so close to Goodison? Ah, uh, then my dad was mad Liverpool. Okay. So I'd follow him, but my auntie was dad uh, mad Everton. But she'd bring me to the Everton matches. To, you know, one week Liverpool will be away, and next week Everton will be away. So right, okay, you know, okay. That's right. So me, me dad brought me to the Liverpool matches, and my auntie brought me to the Everton matches. Okay. At that age, I was only about seven or eight, but it was great to go to a match anyway. Like I've seen some fantastic players yeah. over the years there, and I still remember them, like both Everton and and Liverpool. Like it, it, it really um, it got into your heart, and it get into your head what football's about. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose, you know, even though you, um, so you ended up in Sligo and you ended up staying in Sligo, obviously, and getting married and having, um, or raising three daughters. Um, uh, but obviously, I mean, you were working, uh, you were working when you were in Sligo, aside from playing football, um, you were working with, am I right in saying you were working with Sligo Glass? Yeah, I was working with Sligo Glass for, for um, I started off a part-time with Sligo Glass. And then I, I um, I went on to be a full-time work, and then a couple of years later, so I got settled in Sligo Glass and worked over there, and it's close to 40 years. Um, but all through that time, you were connected I had with... a great time working with Sligo Glass, working with um, Frank Carty and um, Carl McCarty. Um, rest in peace. Now he yeah. passed away a couple of years ago. Yeah. But um, we had some great times with Sligo Glass, and we were often on the first thing Monday morning, if we'd lost, Frank would be there, and he'd say, and... Um, you know, oh, that was on, you were unlucky yesterday. You were unlucky. I said, oh, no, I uh, you know, you 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 would have got man of the match anyway. <laughs> you know, so yeah. <laughs> he was trying to cheer me up, and most times it did work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But some, even some great times. Even though you were working with Sun Glass, you you remained fairly connected to football as well. You were obviously involved with uh, Willie McStay. You were were you assistant to Willie McStay in that period? I was assistant to Willie, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they were great times, weren't they? I do well, yeah. I got on really well with Willie. He was real professional and everything he'd done was, you know, top-notch. Got a lot of young, good young players in and, you know, they they, they were really good, really enthusiastic. I mean, he was a great team spirit and he was a very good manager. It was and a pleasure working with Yeah. Um, did you did you find it easy to, to move into uh, coaching in an assistant manager role or... Um... Was that a, was that a um, I just yeah I didn't mind I didn't mind being a manager or being an assistant manager really um, I just know that if I was going to treat the players the way I'd like to be treated myself and I, most of most of the players I got on with obviously you'd get one or two that weren't really interested or whatever and you know yeah. just have to push them aside and work with what you have yeah and uh, you um, before we finish up you um, you spread the net. Uh, a bit further than Slug as well, you had a spell with Finn Harps in management, isn't that right? How did that go? Um, it went reasonably well, like we're in the first division, um, was there for two and a half years, but I had a, um, half a season and had a two year contract, and then I had another two year contract. But like, uh, the, um, we were doing all right, we were fourth in the league, you know, they were in the first division that time, but it turned out like, um, it would be difficult. It was difficult to do the full-time job with the Sligo Glass, and yeah. like at that time, it, there was three children in the family as well. So it was a lot of lot of pressure that, you know, it was very difficult to continue doing that. You know. Yeah, 
Uh, and finally, managing any team as a full-time job is on its own, like, you know, sure, yeah, in League yeah. of Ireland. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the travel. I mean, you're travelling up and down the country every other week as well. Never mind trying to um, do your own job, I suppose. Uh, well, you're, tra- you're travelling for an hour and a half to, tra- to training, and you know you're travelling obviously to all the away matches, or well, even home matches. You're travelling, but that's they're, they're not that yeah. far away from you. It's only an hour away, like. Yeah, yeah. But it was difficult. Uh, that that part of it, you know. Yeah. Uh, and finally, you did have options to. Did you have options to play football in North America? There was, yeah. When I was when I was young, yeah. Was, um, we, were, we were over there on uh, the end of the first season. We were over there in Canada. We were playing in Canada for the for the rest of the summer. You know, so um, we got a few contacts over there and. But like Sligo was the place for me and Sligo Rovers was the team for me. So I was happy and had a lovely wife and great children. So I have no complaints about my decisions. Yeah. Uh, and are you still managing to keep up with things uh, on the field at the moment uh, through lockdown or through COVID? Are you able to catch games as they're streamed? Um, I was at the last match there now against um, Bohemians. Oh, very good. Yeah. You know, um, I was invited in. By the whoever whoever picks picks yeah. the, the list or whatever, and it yeah. was a pleasure to go there. I really enjoyed the match myself and Frank. Frank Carty was with me, so we both enjoyed the match. It was, um, Sligo played really really well. Um, they played some fantastic football. They all looked very fit. So all 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 going well. They should um, they look as if they're fit and ready for the what's ahead of now in the next next couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um... So, well, yeah, and it looks, I suppose, when you look at the league now at the moment, um, we could be seeing uh, another tussle or another battle between Shamrock Rovers and Sligo Rovers uh, for uh, a league place. So, uh, I suppose here's hoping at the uh, at the end of the season we're, we're there, thereabouts. And, um, um, yeah, just ahead of Thursday, um, I suppose, just to say thanks, uh, t- thanks for joining us, Chris, as we kind of look ahead to or build up to our next European adventure. So, um, thanks a million for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks very much, Connor. And that's Chris Rutherford, Sligo Rovers Hall of Famer. I can't say uh, I uh, remember Chris playing, but Jerry, uh, you played under him. Yeah, um, I played with the, the reserve side in 94. And uh, Chris say, was the manager. Chris was the assistant manager. And uh, Fago was the manager of the, the reserve side. So, yeah, we'd have trained with the, under the lads uh, twice a week. Yeah, after school. <laughs> yeah, it was a great experience. It was a great experience, and uh, it was probably the first time, probably since maybe Billy Sinclair, that we had a really professional setup. Yeah. Um, you know, you had lads training full. The, the first thing we're training full time, and it was also a force a uh, uh, course at the time. You know, like a YTS. Yeah. So the lads were there. There was uh, probably about maybe twelve lads that were training with the first team. They were the reserve team and they're on the, the false false thing. So it was uh yeah, it was really, really it was really interesting. It was really a great experience and uh yeah, it's good yeah. good experience. Yeah, he, and he's an absolute gentleman, isn't he? He's um he's a lovely man. He's a lovely a really man. lovely man, yeah. 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 I was going around actually just a quick story there, uh what not last year, the year before, selling the annual draw tickets and I just I knocked at his door and he was like he wouldn't let me go, come in, come in for a cup of tea, come in for a cup of tea. I said, no, no, I'd be like, I can't, you know, well, come in for a beer, come in for a beer. So <laughs> that I went in. <laughs> <laughs>
you know, I was trying to like, you know, I'm not sure what age he is, but he's probably in his early 70s. And I had to record the I had to record the um, call over Zoom. I had a bit of crack there, like, you know, explaining it to him. And but um, it was a good laugh. Like he was he was laughing away at the at like the ridiculousness of the situation we were in. But anyway, so that's Chris. And um, yeah, thanks a million to him. So uh, we're going to have a chat now about, well, all our focus really this week is on our uh, our trip to Iceland. As I mentioned, or as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, we're recording on Tuesday. The team took off from Dublin this afternoon. They should be there around now. Um, the competition has kicked off. And um, so all eyes now turn to uh, Thursday evening. And um, we'll all be watching the game via the stream. Before I progress, uh, and just so I don't forget, um, we'll also give away a case of uh, the White Hag, uh, a case of White Hag beer uh, on the back of that game. So, Jerry, do you want to tell us how uh, people can um, can win a, a case of beer? Yeah, so we're going to run the beer scorecast again. So, um, just w- on Twitter and Facebook, um, if you use the hashtag beer scorecast and tag the trust and uh, the White Hag and obviously give your score, and then whoever gets the right score gets a case of beer. Get the, if you get the right score, you go to a draw then, I suppose, depending yeah. on how many people um, get the get the right score. But uh, the reason I'm asking you is because you do the admin on, on this, and it's a little bit of work involved. But the response we get is 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 great. Like, there was, I don't know, was there 100 or so entries last week? Yeah, we had 127 uh, entries. And, yeah, there is a bit of work because you want to – not everybody uses the hashtag and not everybody tags <laughs> and stuff like that. But there's a bit of digging and a bit of uh, bit of that just to get make sure everybody gets in. Yeah. But like to get 127 people and like consistently we get hundred people entering every week, which is yeah. unbelievable. But it's great crack and it gives an extra dimension to the game and an extra bit of interest and there's a bit of banter to and phone and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. it's all good. Um yeah. Okay. So that is uh, your opportunity to win a case of the White Hag beer. With thanks to our sponsors, the White Hag. Um, so where do we want to start on um, the game on Thursday? I guess. Um, I guess you know. Well, obviously there was an announcement on the the SligoRovers.com website about um, two players missing due to uh, COVID. So I suppose just kind of progressing the conversation that we had in relation to squad depth. Um, Obviously, we don't want to have any players missing, but we, you know, it's it's we've we've proven now that we we can go into challenging games or difficult circumstances, and that we have a bit of a squad that we can play around with, and um, it's not it's not a as big a concern as it might have been had this happened earlier in the season, I suppose. Uh, Sean, what do you think? Yeah, that's true. I suppose it's a fair comment, but you know, missing players at this stage is never great anyway. Just taken away from the first thing going out here because. Look, at the end of the day, we still don't know, really know what we're going up against. It's hard to get a a true reflection of how good these actually are or how poor they could be. So I'd still like to go out there with a fully fit squad and have yeah. all your options available to you. But I suppose, look, this is the situation we're in and it's just about dealing with it. We've dealt with it so far in the last couple of games from missing players. So hopefully we can just do it now as well. Um. I think Connor, though, just on that, like, you know, like Sean was saying, that we don't know what we're going into. But having said that, I think we've done our, our due diligence and our homework on them. I was talking to Dave Campbell during the week, um, just about the, the last game. Who's Dave Campbell, just in case people don't know? Sorry. So Dave Campbell is the opposition analysis. And I think there's another part to his name. So <laughs> he did be on the bench as well. 
big, tall, good-looking fella. <laughs> but it's an accent. Yeah. But that's I'm just saying that because I'd be afraid of him. But anyways, <laughs> um, he's, he's 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 watched the last five games on them, uh, which I think they're only about eight or nine games into the season. So he, he's he, you know he would have sat down and, and done the the homework on them and and make sure we know exactly what we're getting ourselves into here and how we can pick them off and where their weaknesses are. So I know he mentioned one or two things to me, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> That we that, that he's looking at to 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 exploit. So um, yeah, look, me personally, from what I've seen, I think we can absolutely do this. Absolutely, look, it would have been easier and it would have been more beneficial if we had the full squad. But hundred percent, we can do this. They're they're running around our standards. They're in around style of play that we play. If we go toe to toe with them. I think we can really really do it. And I just hope that the players realize how lucky they are to get to play in Europe Um, you know like there's a lot of players that would have gone through their whole career and never got to play in Europe yeah. that are really really getting a chance and I really really think that we have a great chance Um, and like that too and I don't want to go on and on but you know like we were chatting over the last couple of days in our WhatsApp group and we we're talking about games from back in 94 who scored like any of us could name off the team so when you play in Europe, it is, it's not like playing in a normal game. It's not even like playing in a cup game. It is that extra bit special. And I guarantee the players that in 30 years' time, if you score a goal or you have a good game or you're just playing, we'll still remember your name in 30 years' time. That's, yeah. that's the difference. So I think we can do it. Power, powerful stuff there, Jerry. Powerful stuff. Um, just to, yeah, have you got music lined up for that? Yeah, I'll have to get, I'll have to think something out for that. Yeah. Um, just um, they are eleven games into their season, and they have um, they've won three out of their eleven. They won their open in two games. They won their first game five one, and then they went off a bit of a cliff. And as we know, they've uh, sacked their manager who started at the start of the season, and. Um, for the last, I think they're, 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 I don't know, Jerry, am I right in saying for the last two games they've had a new manager in place? Yeah, uh, I think it's the last two, Connor. Uh, he's he's returned uh, a 1 1 draw and a 2 0. Three, sorry. Okay, so then he, he won, oh, he won 4 1. The yeah. last three games are a 4 1 win, a 1 1 draw uh, at home. So 4 1 win at home, a 1 1 draw at home, and a 2 0 loss away um, is their last one. Four, the 4-1 four, the game was um, a cup game. That was yeah. it, was against, it was against the third division team. So, uh, Sean, are you are you, uh, are you you going into this game? It's, I mean, it's hard to know what sort of standard of opposition, but as we said recently in the podcast, uh, these guys are going to be absolutely no mugs. And we know that just from the regular appearance of the Icelandic national team in major competitions, that um, this... Um, you know their football association, their football association are going places. So, I suppose anything if you, a draw in Iceland, a score draw is good, I suppose, isn't it? Or any kind of draw, I suppose. Yeah, just don't, just don't lose. Yeah, that's all it is. Just go there and not, not lose. Away goals don't matter no more, so they're gone. So it's just a case of going there and not losing. I, I'd be confident that we can get a result out there. I'd be with Jerry saying there. I think he's he's bang on the money. You know these. They're of a decent standard, but not that much better than us. And we play football in the right manner as well. And Liam Buckley's no mug when it comes to European football either. Yeah, He's experienced an awful lot of, of it, playing abroad himself and managing in Europe. He's going to be well clued in. 
So I, I'm very confident that we will go out there and set up in the right manner, and we'll. I think we will take at least a draw anyway. Uh, it's a real opportunity, Magoo, for for um, Liam Buckley to kind of make a name for himself as well, or further strengthen his reputation at Sligo Rovers by putting together, um, you know, a run of games within Europe. We haven't really done it. I mean, John Coleman uh, came in to do just that, I suppose, and to a degree, he did have a little bit of success. But you know, if we can get a manager that can do two or three rounds, that would really set your your name in stone in the club, wouldn't it? Yeah, I I don't think. Liam needs to do anything extra to make a name for himself. I think he is a pretty solid name around the place. It is in, in League of Ireland circles and further afield. But yeah, look, I just hope, um, like I don't, I haven't, I'm not like Jerry, I haven't watched these lads. So, um, and I don't know what, I can't really give much of a take on that, whether or how close it'll be, whatever. Like obviously, you just hope we'll still be in the tie when we come home for the second leg. But I hope just that we do ourselves justice because I think, um, as we've said before, in, in all our European campaigns, we've never really done ourselves justice. Do you know what it was like? Jesus, that Albanian crowd, and um, like even Rosenberg, we should have bet them that time too. Like, we've never actually, like, we haven't got the rubber to green maybe in a lot of occasions, but we've never, we've never done ourselves justice. So, I just hope that the lads can go out and, as Jerry says, stand toe to toe and play our normal game and um, show everybody, like, it's not just. Like you're, you're all about Liam making a name for himself, but all the lads want to make names for themselves further afield, you know. And I think that's what's all about. Go and do yourself justice individually and as a team. And just like, sure, but we are a good team because we are a good team. So just don't be after tomorrow or Thursday week coming off the pitch going, geez, we should have done this and we could have done that and we're better than them. Like we've had them on many occasions with Europe before. Yeah. Um, what, what, what might have been. Don't want any what ifs this time. And just on that, just Connor mentioned um, John Coleman there, Magoo, um, and Rosenberg. So I was reading an article there a couple of years ago, and John Coleman was saying that his biggest regret in football was not going through uh, against Rosenberg. He said, "Yeah, said everything that you said there." He kind of said that, like, you know, like we we won two one over there. We were lucky to give away the, the, the goal or whatever. We went one nil ahead then at home. So we were three one up on aggregate at home and we we didn't know what to do. We didn't know how no, to tell I remember I remember that game in the stand and the same as that Jerry. We were three one up and everybody was looking at each other going <laughs> nobody nobody could believe as well going, Jesus Christ, there's too long left. What the <laughs> fuck are we gonna do? How is it how are we gonna manage this? And I the players obviously were looking to do the same thing going, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> Yeah. Well, like, and but at the end of the day, we matched. We, we, we matched. Like Rosenberg, like are a top top. Uh, well, they're a top Euro Europa League side now. Like they'll be expecting to get to the group stages. I'm not getting ahead of myself here, and they would have expected to get to the group stages at that time as well. I and I, I'm not sure whether they did or they didn't. But we gave an un- an unbelievable account of ourselves. The players played as a team. They played themselves. You know, as well as the coach, uh, and his look, you know, John Coleman is, is such an experienced manager, and for him to say that that's his biggest regret in football is something. So, I just hope that we do believe in ourselves, hope we do, as you Goose says, give a good account of ourselves because we are a good team. We are a good team, and we, these guys, I'm telling you, they're there for the taking. If we play to the best that we can, we will match them, and maybe if we do get through. We'll have our full squad then for Rosenberg. And who who's to say 
that you know we can't go through a couple of rounds. You know, it's all about belief uh, at this stage. You know, and, yeah. And I think as well, like, like as um, McGoo mentioned there, like Liam Buckley's experience, his European experience will be come to the fore here as well. Like the the, the career that he's had in Europe, um, you know, it's just it, this is not going to be. Like this is not going to be a major, a significant. Uh, he's not going to, um, you know, how would you describe it? A field that he's that's completely new to him. Like you know, we could have, we've had many managers and our more recent managers, and the idea of playing European football is just, you know, it's just a different kettle of fish altogether. So with Liam, he's been there, he's done that, he's scored the goals and won, worn the t-shirt. So he, he should be a huge asset um, alone uh, going into this game. So, um, I don't know, I, uh, I got a call today from the club to go on. Just on Liam Buckley and that, like, he's probably the most experienced European manager in the league. Like, he's got through plenty of rounds with Pats and things like that. Then you've got uh, John Russell. You know, he's played loads of European games with Rovers, with Pats. Uh, then you've got Dave Campbell as well, who would have played with Shells and Pats and all that. We probably yeah. Greg Bul- and Greg Bulger, who went on a couple of campaigns with Shams as well, like you know, yeah, Gary Buckley, yeah. Gary Buckley, yeah. yeah, yeah. From a backroom point of view, though, we probably have the most experience in the league by a country mile. So, you said, be, go on, good, sorry. I was just going to say, they'll be keeping the lads settled and keeping their focused. And, like, as you were saying, Jerry, there'll be the backroom team that experienced, they'll not be losing any sleep tonight or tomorrow night over the game. Yeah, you know, also as well, just in terms of playing staff as well, like you still have Parks and the Freese as well, who used who'd be used to a foreign type of game too. So it won't phase them going playing in Europe either. It'll be just another yeah. day at the office. So I think we're well equipped to go out there now. That's a great opportunity. It's you know, it's what you want yeah. as a footballer. And we've yeah. seen, and we've seen from all the younger lads that have come through the academy and everything that are playing. Nothing phases them anyway, so they'll only be relishing this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, I hadn't really thought about the experience, the European experience that we have on the pitch already, which, again, you know, is something that maybe we haven't had in 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 campaigns past, you know. Um, and you think about what, what you think about the environments that Greg Bulger's been in with Chams, uh, you know, wins against AIK uh, in Sweden. Um, so, yeah, and that, like that's, there's no doubt about it, having been there before, and knowing, you know, what the Lions then looks and sounds like is is a huge benefit. So are we, um, we're kind of quite positive, I think. Are we going into this game? Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. Um, I are, think are, with, the, with, the, with the season we've had and where we're playing, and as Jerry mentioned, all the, the European experience and stuff, you can't, but... Just say that again, Magoo, you, you dropped out there, you can't, but... I'm saying with, with, with the way we're playing and the way the season's been going and the European experience we have on and off the pitch, you, you can't really but be positive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to ask you to, I'm not going to ask you to call it, but um, what sort of, what sort of back four um, would you be happy to see going into the, going into the game? Are we looking for fullbacks to get forward? Or are we looking to, going to look at, sit in a little bit for, for the away game at least, aren't we? So we get a feel for things, I suppose. Yeah, I think you'll definitely have to see at least the first half of, of the first game anyway, it'll be everyone will just kind of sit tight and see what happens. I'd say the biggest change you might see is maybe Collie coming in and maybe going three in midfield away from home. A tight, compact three in midfield. 
But apart from that, I'd say it's more less going to be the Longford Longford team. Yeah. Played against Longford, I'd say. So what do you think will happen? You'll have Moran, Bulger and Cawley potentially. And what happens then uh, in front of them? I would say it'll be Mark Byrne that'll probably drop out. And it'll be the freeze on the left, Gibson on the right and Romeo through the middle. Yeah. I would kind of tend to agree with that, I think, as well. Yeah, it's, it's kind of... I was thinking about that today as well. Um, and that's... Half the day I was thinking, oh, I'd go that way. And half the day I'd say... I go with Gibson through the middle because like you still want that threat and you still want that ammunition for Romeo if we can because I think our biggest threat is going to be a, it's going to suit us so we're going to sit in and hit them on the break yeah so, it's Romeo want, number nine yeah do you want the solidity of Cawley or do you want the kind of the, the openness of of Gibson it's it's a really really tough call Um I suppose that's the problem maybe is that you do put them on the right and in the middle, I think we, I think we, you probably start KG enough though. Like it's, um, you know, Sean said we sit in and, and fill them out and see what they're made of. And like, you know, you, you won't, you won't win, you won't win the game um, over there, you won't win the tie over there, but you can certainly lose it. Yeah. So, you know, if, if, if it's nil nil, even if it's nil nil coming back to the showgrounds, then you can look at it and play around with it a bit or whatever like that. But definitely don't be going out early, I would say. I, I couldn't see it going gung ho early anyway, and and getting caught in the break once or twice, and then you're it's an uphill battle after that. That's yeah. one thing, Magoo. Just what you're saying there is that you could lose the tie over there. Just looking at their results, that when they've won, they've won heavy, they've won big. They've had three one wins, four one wins, five one wins. So they've obviously got something about them up top. Like, hmm. so when they click, they must be decent enough. Yeah, you want and you also want to play on their like they're they're obviously competition for them and to be looking as an opportunity to put the league far behind them and you know we'll 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 bet these fellas whatever they'll be thinking as rightly so because that's what every team should be thinking but we need to be playing on that as well for we need to be giving them nothing don't give them an inch at all keep it as tight as we can sit in let them know that like they're they're going to struggle and then as the game opens on and we open up more then we really start giving them something to think about and some problems. Yeah. Just looking at those games, Sean, where they have you know scored multiple goals in wins. The goals come from all over the pitch. It's not um, like they have, you know. We spoke about your man Stephen Lennon, who's their Scottish striker. Yeah, he comes in with a couple of goals, but you know, for the five ones, there's five different names on the scoring sheet, and for the three one, they've had recently. There, you know, again, there's um, there's three different names on the, on the score sheet. So the goals will come. They've got attacking options from um, from around um, around the pitch, I suppose. You know. Okay. Uh, anything else on Hefner Feud? Are we good? Yeah, I'm just really, really excited and really, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, say, look, it's been seven years since we've been in Europe and look, we're not there, but at least we get to see it and I, I just really can't wait for it. And these, these are the nights what, you know, uh, supporting your local football club is all about. Like, so. Well, this is, this stuff is, you know what? I couldn't when I was a kid. I couldn't when it dawned on me that Sligo Rovers could play a European opposition, and it was really I think it was the game against uh, Bruges. That I just could, I was like, wait a minute, this is a different this is a yeah. different ball game altogether. Like you know, you can forget about your Offalies and Carlos visit Markovich Park and your occasional uh, Carries showing up. This is this is the real the real business, and even like the magic of 
listening to Northwest Radio for the way, like um, just incredible stuff. Like, and you know, uh, one of the Rooneys hammering a, a goal in in Bruges, and yeah, like this is what this is really what got me going about uh, League of Ireland football and Sligo Rovers. And so, hopefully, I suppose we can we can get a few more young fans on on the board with uh, the back of a. On the back of a win in Iceland, and then putting the uh, the cherry on top in the showgrounds on, on Thursday week. Um, what, if, Miguel, what's your your earliest um, European memory? Um, yeah, it's probably that one too, Floriana. Uh, well, in in the showgrounds for Floriana was my is another big one. Being in the showgrounds for yeah. that game. All, um, all them couple of years, the the the, the Floriana and Bruges, home and away legs. Um, I can still remember. I used to listen to the radio. I remember vividly. And uh, then obviously the the Intertoto Cup. The Intertoto Cup was shite because we were playing in the afternoon, weren't they? So why it was like I remember the Hermvin game, like that was Her- mad. Bru- Triol, one or something. Yeah, Bruges had an incredible. Like, was just, that was it was brilliant. Bruges had an incredible game. Yeah. That's Johnny Kenny tearing it up against Bruges at home. That's mine. And that's, I mean, I mean, turning around to me old fella and asking why are why aren't the likes of Man United signing him? He's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he gave him really the assist as well for the goal over in Bruges. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, look, it's amazing. Like we all remember, I can remember every single detail of the game, and uh, in... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so listen, loads of great memories, and um, yeah, I mean, this is this is really what it's all about. Um, it's nice to win a league, but I think for Sligo Rovers fans, the idea of um, of European football, and for many, listen, for many League of Ireland fans, this is really where the magic happens. So, will we wrap it up there? We we leave it like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll um, we'll talk to you on the far side of um, the European game and the away game, and uh, ahead of the return game, and just to remind you to get your. Um, to get your oh yeah the other thing I wanted to say was um, don't forget to get your golden goals I'm sure Gary McLean from the Dublin Supporters Club um, will be uh, setting golden goals for uh, the European game on Thursday so you'll find him on Twitter uh, DSC underscore SRFC I think or maybe it's just DSC SRFC but um, you'll find him we'll retweet him um, during the week and support the golden glo- golden goals and uh, on the back of that I think that'll do us Jerry thank you thanks Connor up the Rovers come on let's do it up the Rovers, uh, Sean, thanks a million. Cheers, Connor. And Magoo, thanks a million to you. Cheers, lads. And thanks a million to our sponsors, Barry Creed Solicitors in Dublin and Sligo. And as always, thanks a million to the White House Brewing Company who have been such great sponsors. Okay, that's a wrap. Thank you. Best time in the world. Best time in the world. Voice is going to hold. So, yeah, here's your shouts. In the, so, We'll have to do a blooper edition. Yeah. So get your <laughs> shouts from the shed end into uh, that phone number. And I'm just going to f- cut that there. Then. It's Lagarone three. St. Patrick's Athletic two. And that could be the decisive moment in the title race. We will never forget this day.